Hi, everybody. I'm Lindsay Davis with The Debrief on ABC News Live. We have lots of stories to get to today. First, of course, we're talking about the life and legacy of George H.W. Bush. Things getting back to normal in Anchorage, Alaska, after that seven-magnitude earthquake hit on Friday. And we have astronauts on their way now to the International Space Station after a successful launch this morning. All those headlines and much more. But first, we have the headlines here. The search is on in Costa Rica for a woman from South Florida who went there on vacation and vanished. 36-year-old Carla Stefaniak was last seen leaving her Airbnb several hours before her flight. Her brother, Carlos Casado, spoke to ABC News and thinks something bad happened. It's weird that she didn't uh, message anybody. It was her birthday, you know what I mean? One child has been killed and dozens more are hurt in a charter bus accident outside Little Rock, Arkansas. The bus was carrying a youth football team from Tennessee. The tragic death of the top U.S. Navy Admiral in the Middle East, Scott Sterney, was found dead in his home in Bahrain. Admiral Sterney had command of some 20,000 forces in one of the most important and potentially volatile regions in the world. Sources who know Sterney tell ABC his death is a suspected suicide, which is why this came as such a shock to all who knew him and those men and women he commanded a real tragedy. Hall of Fame quarterback Brett Favre's on the defensive, apologizing after he says he was tricked into making an anti-Semitic video for a hate group. The clip contains phrases that seem innocent at first, but it's actually filled with coded language that's recognizable to those who hate people who are Jewish. The video was made with a website called Cameo, a new platform that allows people to hire celebrities to record personalized shout-outs. Now Favre's taking to Facebook to apologize, writing, I've received a request to record a shout-out supporting what appeared to be a U.S. veterans organization. A few days later, I was distressed to learn that the request came from an anti-Semitic group that reposted my video with the comments implying that I endorsed their mission. Nothing could be further from the truth. Instagram is now adding a way for you to share pictures and videos with fewer people. The feature called Close Friends will let users share with a select list of people instead of all of their followers. The body of former President George H.W. Bush, who passed away at home at the age of 94 in Houston on Friday, is about to head now to Washington, D.C. for the final time so that the nation can bid farewell to our 41st president. We're taking a live look now at the motorcade, now taking his body to Ellington Air Force Base. That's where Natalie Brunel joins us live. Natalie. Good morning, Lindsay. Yeah, the casket is supposed to arrive here in about 15 minutes. Ellington Field is about 30 minutes uh, southeast of Houston, and it is making its way here now. Clear skies are forecast for what's being dubbed as Special Mission 41. Air Force One arrived here yesterday afternoon, and preparations have been underway for a special departure ceremony that's going to take place at about 10.30 a.m. local time. We've seen a lot of Secret Service and police rolling in in the past couple of minutes, and also several members of the public who are 
coming out, hoping to catch a glimpse of the plane as it takes off here in about 45 minutes. And we know that Houston has been a very special place for the Bush family. Several of his family members will be here with him to take this final flight to Washington, D.C. He's going to depart from Houston and land in Joint Base uh, Andrews. And then from there, he will go to the Capitol Rotunda, where the public will be able to pay their respects. Lindsay and Natalie, just give us a sense of the mood there. And then also he's expected to return. Is it Thursday in order to be uh, laid to rest uh, in Houston? Yeah, that's right. Well, as for the mood, people are just really hoping to catch a glimpse of Air Force One. And actually, we were hoping to be able to see it, but because of all the hangars and the very tight security, it's it's much further back, so we unfortunately can't see the plane. A lot of people have just been driving around hoping to get a glimpse of it. Um, we also know that he will be returning on Wednesday. There's going to be uh, another um, series of memorial events held here in Houston at his church, St. Martin's Episcopal. There's going to be a funeral service there. And afterwards, on Thursday, he's going to be taken on a train that's painted to look like Air Force One to College Station, where he will be buried alongside his beloved wife, Barbara, and their late daughter, Robin. And, and just another thing that I recently learned, we are standing next to an aviation museum here on Ellington Field, and I was told that President Bush was actually in the Hall of Fame here, the Aviation Hall of Fame, and there is a plane inside the museum that is a model, a, a replica of the same plane that he um, went down in during World War II. And so that plane will be right here just a few feet from where he takes off this morning. All right, Natalie, thank you so much for that report. And now we're going to go to Terry Moran, who joins us live from Washington, D.C. Terry, I'd like to get a sense of the schedule today at the Capitol. And also today, I imagine many are seeing this as, even if it's temporary, a unifying day. You know, it was important for the former President Bush to have uh, President Trump attend his funeral. It sounds like he'll be in attendance and really putting that presidential protocol above his own personal animosity. That's a great point, Lindsay. Uh, the 45th president will pay tribute to the 41st president, in keeping with the old American tradition and the old American way, the way the ways that uh, that President George Herbert Walker Bush stood for. So President Trump will attend. Uh, it's unclear whether or not he will deliver a eulogy, but it is an overcoming, as you point out, of some some bad blood between uh, the Trump. Uh, presidency and campaign and the Bush family. In many ways, what Donald Trump represents is a repudiation of what President George Herbert Walker Bush represented. But together, uh, as Americans, uh, that is the way that uh, President Bush wanted it, and that's the way it will be. Uh, the casket-carrying uh, President George Herbert Walker Bush will arrive at Andrews Air Force Base this afternoon. There will be a, a solemn ceremony of welcome. Uh, and then he will be transported to the United States Capitol, where he will lie in state in the rotunda. And the public will be allowed to come and pay their respects beginning tonight and all day tomorrow. And people will come to say goodbye. Look, there are many ways to be remembered as president of the United States. Being a good man, that's a good way for anyone to be remembered. And that is the way people are remembering George Herbert Walker Bush. Maybe a little bit of that goodness will, will rub off. Although it was a pretty partisan time when he was president, too. Uh, nothing compared to today, but that's the way politics is. Uh, he's certainly had an effect today. Uh, for example, just one practical result of remembering, pausing to remember this good man, uh, the, it looks like the fight over the budget will be postponed for a couple of weeks. There was a, uh, a government shutdown set to start at the end of this week. It looks likely that lawmakers and the president will get together to postpone that. 
and fight over border wall funding and other things another day while we remember George Herbert Walker Bush. So that government shut down and temporarily averted. And Terry, obviously we know that uh, the former president, uh, the day after his 18th birthday, joined the Navy and we're hearing a final farewell from the Navy today. That's right. Lieutenant George Herbert Walker Bush, he was the youngest fighter pilot uh, at that time. He flew 50 combat missions and in his last one, of course, was shot down, lost two crew members and was rescued at sea. And the Navy tweeting out uh, a very touching tribute. The United States Navy's official Twitter feed saying, fair winds and following seas, sir. We have the watch with a picture of him on board. He loved boats. He used to take world leaders on harrowing rides. He had a speedboat up uh, <laughs> on the crashing seas off the coast of Maine. Uh, and uh, this fa famously, the French president, uh, Francois Mitterrand, declining to go on one of those rides, saying uh, he gets too seasick. But it was part of his life, this sea, all his life, summering his entire life up on the coast of Maine and serving in the Navy. He was once asked of all the many high positions that he served in government, vice president, head of the CIA, ambassador or envoy to China, head of the Republican Party, congressman, what prepared him the most to be president? And without hesitating, he said, getting shot out of the sky in September 1945. He was tested in a way uh, that he knew himself in that way. And he also said, having lost the two guys who were in the plane with him, he said, I know I was no hero. It's a very different ideal of masculinity, one we don't have too much anymore. The strong, silent type, you might say, the <clears throat> brave person who could also be lethal, uh, but who was, who was quiet about it. No braggart, no bully, no, nobody like that. He was a different sort of American man. Yeah, Terry, his mom apparently famously told him, his mom told him not to brag. And so he was following uh, in her footsteps and, and following uh, her, her life advice there. Thank you very much, Terry, for, for, your, for your live report. Okay, want to leave us with this memorable quote uh, from the 1989 inaugural address. Former President Bush said, I do not mistrust the future. I do not fear what is ahead, for our problems are large, but our heart is larger. Our challenges are great, but our will is greater. And finally, the picture of his dog, Sully. Longtime spokesperson posted it to Twitter with the caption. We'll take a look at it there. Mission complete. Now we're going to switch gears and go over to Paris. Many of, us have, many of us have seen the videos of the riots that took place over the weekend. 100 people injured. We've seen the fires. And Ian Panel joins us now live from Paris. Ian, want to get a sense of is there any sense that uh, this is about to end anytime soon? Well, first of all, Lindsay, let's have a look at the picture behind me because it couldn't be more different from those harrowing images that everyone was seeing being transmitted around the world last Saturday. Here we are on the famous Champs-Élysées. It's rush hours, lots of traffic out. The Christmas lights are up. And right at the top there is the Arc de Triomphe, which is pretty much the epicenter of these protests that took place on Saturday. Many of the people there were peaceful, but many more were violent. This protest is essentially about an increase in the cost of gas prices, of fuel, of living costs. The people are angry. The people feel that President Macron is out of touch with the real living costs of the people who live out in the suburbs and out in the countryside. That was the third Saturday in a row that they've come into the city and it was the most violent protest that Paris has seen in more than 10 years. Uh, so we saw uh, standoff clashes, uh, the police using water cannon, firing tear gas, the protesters throwing projectiles. 
There were snipers up on the roofs. There were bands of people moving around the city, setting fire to cars, overturning motorbikes. Uh, we interviewed one American woman, a tourist who was here, who filmed from her Airbnb. I mean, they ran down the road as the mob came towards them, and she filmed the crowd down at the bottom. Many suspect they were anarchists, uh, destroying a lot of vehicles there. So your first question, is there any sense that this is going to end anytime soon? I don't think so. There's a real standoff between the two sides, and the expectation is that there could be more protests next Saturday. But today, Monday, it all looks perfectly normal and thoroughly festive. And does it seem that the government is reacting to these protests? So here's part of the problem is the protest movement itself is kind of quite organic. It emerged out of social media. So although the opposition parties are supporting the, the protest movement, they're not really part of it. So for President Macron, who's refusing to back down from increasing the taxes on gas prices, he says this is necessary to try and curb global warming. The people out in the suburbs and the countryside are saying, you don't understand, we need our vehicles. This is really hitting us hard in the pocket. It's a difficult time of year, and we can't continue to afford to pay those increased prices. But the problem is, who do you actually negotiate with? Now, there is a sense here from colleagues who work here in Paris that because it became so violent on Saturday, perhaps there will be a reluctance to come out on the streets again. Perhaps the closer we get to the holiday, people will be less willing to come out and protest. Uh, but at the moment, the mood is hard on both sides, and there is a certain sense in some quarters that this could go on and could go much further. Ian Panel for us live in Paris. Thank you so much for your time, Ian. And now we're going to go to Will Carr in Anchorage, Alaska, as things are trying to get back to normal after that magnitude 7 earthquake on Friday. Will? Good morning, Lindsay. Alaskans have been working around the clock to get Anchorage back up and running after that 7.0 earthquake struck on Friday. This off ramp right after the earthquake had an island of rubble. A red SUV was trapped on that island. This morning, it's almost drivable again. There is one road that still has significant damage to the north. That's become something of a local attraction. A lot of residents going there and climbing through the rubble, but for the most part, they've done a great job of getting these roads back open. They're hoping to have two major arteries, two highways reopened by rush hour traffic. Uh, schools remain closed, but at this point, the governor says this could have been much worse, and he is thankful that nobody was killed. Lindsay. All right, Will Carr, thank you so much for that. And now we're joined by Will Reeve talking, of course, about Kareem Hunt today. He could be picked up by a, another team after many of us saw that video that emerged on TMZ of him appearing to um, hit and kick a, a woman that was outside of his residence. So we're going to take a listen to a uh, sound that he sat down with ESPN uh, yesterday. Honestly, I just want to let the world know you know how sorry I am for my actions and you know it, it's been a tough time for me and I'm extremely embarrassed because of that video. I was in the wrong. I could have you know took responsibility and you know made the right decision to you know find a way to de-escalate the whole situation. It was definitely some things that were said and did that I did not like and that's not an excuse. It's not, I, I'm, that person in that video did not deserve that. I didn't mean to hurt anybody or any, anything like that. It, it's really tough. 
he's saying that he's sorry. Is, is that enough? Well, that was his response, and of course, he needs to get out in, in front of the story in his mind and in his management's mind because he's out of a job right now, and he's not going to have a job, Kareem Hunt won't, until the commissioner, Roger Goodell, lets him off of the commissioner's exempt list. Hunt is eligible to, to sign with a team now after the, the Chiefs released him, but that really won't, won't matter uh, until, even if a team signs him, there, there's a lot of process uh, that, that needs to happen uh, before he ever steps on the field again, and it's, it's going to be a long climb for him. That was his response to, to this video coming out. As far as the NFL's response, uh, they're, they're taking some heat because in its investigation, the NFL was aware of the existence of this video, which why they didn't, uh, they claimed to not have seen it until it came out as released by TMZ. And they also never spoke to Kareem Hunt, nor did they speak to his victim that you saw being beaten in the video. So they, they have some things to answer for, as well do the Chiefs, because in their statement releasing Hunt a few days ago, they said that Kareem Hunt was not truthful with them in his telling of the incident that they were aware of back in February. So that begs the question, do the Chiefs think that the cover-up is worse than the crime? Of course, the NFL has been dealing with, with issues of domestic violence and its own shortcomings in its investigating of those incidences for, for quite some time. Lindsay. But, you know, we're talking about the leading rusher last year as a rookie. Right. And so he's going to be, I imagine, desirable for some teams. Do you think that that's really a possibility? Essentially, he's a free agent now. I know that you said he kind of has to get the blessing from Roger Goodell. We've seen that happen in the past with NFL players behaving badly, and they do get picked up and play again. Right. Well, it depends on, as an organization of the 32 NFL clubs, who's going to take a chance on putting a premium on winning over character. And that's a, a battle that's waged in the court of public opinion. Kareem Hunt is an excellent football player, objectively. Led the league in rushing. As you mentioned, he was the one of the star offensive players for the Kansas City Chiefs this year who are leading the AFC. They have the second best record in the NFL. They won again yesterday in Oakland. Uh, they're Super Bowl contenders, uh, maybe less so now without him on the team. But anyone who picked him up and got him on the field football-wise would be better off. But in terms of standing with fans and with the community at large, that's, that's a pretty big chance to take on someone who has a video of him uh, hitting a woman. Right. Well, to be continued. All right. Thank you so much, Will Reeve. Appreciate your reporting. So now we're going to go to Patrick Revel, who joins us live from Kazakhstan, talking about the astronauts on their way now to the International Space Station. Patrick. Hi, yeah, we've just got back actually from the launch pad here in Baikonur, back in the closed city of Baikonur that's located a few, uh, a couple of dozen kilometers away from the launch pad. Behind me you can see uh, the, the main building of Russia's space agency, Roscosmos. Um, and yeah, we watched that launch take off successfully, uh, that Soyuz rocket flying to the International Space Station with the three astronauts aboard, uh, NASA's Anne McLean, Russia's Oleg Kononenko, and also Canada's David Saint-Jacques um, and you know the, th the reason we are here is that this was a this was a launch with unusually high stakes and that's because in October there was that accident that you may remember that the last time a, a Soyuz a manned Soyuz rocket took off from here it suffered a malfunction in mid-air and there was this very dramatic moment where uh, the two astronauts aboard were forced to to eject um, and they came hurtling back down in their capsule from 30 miles above. And so today was very important that this launch be successful. Um, it did take off successfully, and now we, you know, hopefully, um, in the next hour, 
uh, in the next hour and 20 minutes or so, we expect the, the ship mm -hmm. to dock with the, um, the International Space Station. All right. Thank you very much, Patrick. They're going to be there until July. So safety uh, and best wishes for them. Thanks so much for that, Patrick. And now we're going to take another big a look at another big moment in space will happen later today. This one millions of miles away from Earth. Let's take a live look now at NASA's coverage of the OSIRIS-REx spacecraft journey to the asteroid Bennu. The satellite is expected to arrive within the hour. It will spend the next two years orbiting Bennu and collecting samples. This will be NASA's first asteroid sample return mission. The samples could help scientists understand how planets are formed and how life began. And I believe now we're going to go over to Ginger Z with a check of the weather. Lindsay, thank you. Don't know if you heard about all the tornadoes this weekend, but from Oklahoma through Missouri, Illinois, and right in the Florida sta uh, Georgia state line tornadoes. And the image that we have here is just from one of the 15 confirmed tornadoes in Illinois. That might end up being the second most they've ever had in a December day in that state. So it was certainly a lot of them. They do get them in December, but not, wow, look at that. EF2 damage in Taylorville, Illinois. This is where 25 people were injured. The winds topped out up to 130 miles per hour. That same system is still causing problems through early Monday and it will possibility of some pretty strong storms with some flash flooding possible and also again damaging wind likely with that front will be gone that'll be gone by tomorrow the northern side of the storm dropped a lot of snow more than a foot in some places including Nebraska plenty of accidents to talk about from there to Green Bay Wisconsin we got snow but then look at this this is Utah um, across the state the storm had moved and brought in a significant amount of snow and also in the lee of Salt Lake they've had some lake effect to talk about. Now I was just in Marin County, California and they are really the trees down everywhere. That was from last week's storm. Look at this, another one coming in. This is Tuesday afternoon through early Wednesday. It's not just rain but it'll be wind too and it's not just Northern California, it's Southern California. Some of the heavy rain could end up causing debris flows of course, on any of those burn scars. So that's what we'll be watching for. It can only take a half inch and you can get that. And then up in the Sierra, that's good news for most of the folks because you want to get more uh, snow on the ski areas up to a foot. Lindsay? Thank you so much for that, Ginger Z. I am Lindsay Davis. Thank you so much for watching the debrief. We are going to close out now with a live look at the motorcade. Once again, George H.W. Bush bound for Washington, D.C. One final time. Stay tuned. A special report on George H.W. Bush is coming up, and we'll have much more on his life and legacy throughout the day on ABC News. We have you covered on ABC News Live and abcnews.com. Have a great day.